Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, back in action on a Monday. Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Guy who's never babbled us into a war with China. Joe Biden giving a big speech in Asia yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen, and he contradicted his own administration in saying that America is ready to go to war with China if, in fact, they invade Taiwan. That's not what I heard, Joe. We are going to discuss what we heard. We're also going to have a grown-up talk about some new poll numbers that show 57% say the word that best describes the president is distracted. 51% say incompetent. 47% go with divisive but long story short the resounding sentiment here is biden sucks it's a messy one buckle up because we're ready to go on a monday 888-788-9910 you know the deal you could be a republican you could be a democrat just don't be a hey if you're listening on wybx up in utica uh those fat cats comedy club shows all four of them sold out they added a fifth Saturday show, uh, a fifth show on Saturday. It's a 5 p.m. show. You can get tickets to that at fatcatscomedyclub.com. That's that's the place, Fat Cats with a Z. Uh, later in the show today, I will be announcing a big event with WVMT up in Vermont on Friday, June the 17th. We're going to be doing the show up at VMT. We're going to be having a wild meet and greet afterwards. going to be a mess, so get your game face on, and there are more events coming. But right now, the big event making headlines is, of course, the president uh, going on an overseas visit. And they did take him. A lot of us were surprised to actually see him standing in Asia. We just assumed that they were going to take him to Epcot and tell him he was on the other side of the world. Biden's lost his marbles. But they did, in fact, take him uh, overseas, where, sadly, he did not find uh, his marbles. So the president was being asked a bunch of questions, which is always you know, a little bit of an adventure. I always say, whenever Biden opens up his mouth, you feel like you're watching a game-deciding field goal in the NFL. You know when a guy is kicking, you know, a game-making field goal one way or the other and the players are holding hands on the sideline and they're crouched down at the ground with their fingers crossed, waiting to see how it'll play out. Every time he kicks the ball, there's this horrible, like, where the hell is this thing going to go moment. <laughs> we had one yesterday, and unfortunately, uh, the ball clanked off the upright. Biden was asked, flat out, will the U.S. get involved if China invades Taiwan? Now, this is significant, okay, because putting that force on the table, number one, obviously, makes a very bold commitment at a time where our country seems to be stretched pretty thin overseas and at home. Uh, but two, it doesn't always jibe with what his staff has said in the past. But let's start here with Biden's clip. Here's the field goal attempt, clip 34. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. Wow. Not even close. Sailed a little bit to the left. Um, here is Richard Haas flat out saying that the Biden staff should be correcting him on Taiwan. This is clip 37. It's the third time the president said it. It's the third time the White House staff has walked it back and the White House staff should stand down. 
This is the right thing to do. Unlike in Europe, our allies and partners in Asia not only want us to do this, Joe, to get directly involved on behalf of Taiwan, they expect it. And if the United States does not get directly involved on behalf of Taiwan, Taiwan cannot do a Ukraine. Taiwan's an island. You can't get resupply in there. It has no ability for serious self-defense. So we either get directly involved in Taiwan, which will bring Japan and others in, or China will own Taiwan uh, all too easily. So this is the right thing to do. And at stake is the alliance system that for three quarters of a century has made Asia the single most successful part of the world. So I think the president is exactly right. And as he pointed out, you can move to strategic clarity to say we're going to do this without in any way undermining the so-called one China policy and the framework of U.S.-Chinese relations that, again, has worked for over four decades. So the question there is, okay, because just to be clear, he's saying the staff should stop correcting them. Biden has said this three times. The staff has walked him back three times, said, hey, we're not ready to go to war, okay, on behalf of Taiwan. His staff has corrected him three times. Biden has said we are three times. So there's a little bit of a contradiction in terms. But the reason this is significant uh, for my money is when Richard Haas is speaking there, what does he say? He says, you know, that is the most successful part of the world. It's the most successful part of the world. Well, we're in a moment right now, okay, where we are not playing successful championship ball. We've got a record level of inflation. We're at a 40-year high. Our border's overrun. We've got an all-time high in fentanyl overdose deaths. We're trying to mitigate a historic shortage in baby formula at a time where the crime rate has soared 32% in the murder category and nobody can afford a gallon of gas. So when you hear the president making yet another military commitment, another commitment to funding, another commitment to resources in what is described as the most successful part of the world, it does kind of seem like we're picking the wrong battle when we've got an awful lot of battles to fight here. I think he's got a point. And I think that's the big frustration for a lot of people. Now, Michael Waltz. Okay, you've heard him on this show before as a Florida representative, and uh, he said he's on board with Biden's language. But again, this has been a common refrain in Congress. You know, they couldn't give that money to Ukraine quick enough. Forty billion dollars. All kinds of Republicans voted for that. Why? Because most people in Washington, most elected officials, forget the R next to the name, forget the D next to their name. They're the same people. Okay, they're part of the establishment and establishment that loves war. It's very profitable. It's great for the bottom line. They love spending that money, especially because all of the funding you know, allocations for war always come with massive, massive budgets that allow them to squeeze so many other things in there that have nothing to do with the war. Correct the mundo. You think about it. We're sending $40 billion to Ukraine. $40 billion. 28% of that money... Nothing to do with Ukraine. That is financial lunacy. So you think about that, okay? Almost $12 billion get squeezed into the, hey, we got to help Ukraine. And you say to yourself, yeah, we want to help Ukraine. But here's the thing. If the administration is going to tell us in one breath that Putin invading Ukraine is the root of all of our financial problems, which we know isn't true, but if he wants us to take him at, at, at his word on that, we know gas prices were going up for 14 straight months before Putin invaded Ukraine. We know inflation was a thing for 14 straight months before Putin invaded Ukraine. But again, if he wants us to believe this war in Ukraine is what's making us all suffer so much, shouldn't we be working harder to 
end the war in Ukraine instead of spending more money to prolong it? Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. And a lot of people feel that way when you hear these comments on Taiwan. Hey, we're ready to go to war for Taiwan and nothing against Taiwan. Wonderful people. I don't need a war in Taiwan. But how much further can our resources be stretched? You know, knowing what we you know, how many battles we're fighting in terms of, you know, financial battles alone. You know, how much further can we take this thing before we really are suffering as a consequence of these incompetent actions, actions that only exist because of the weakness we've demonstrated on the world stage? We're only in this position because of how badly he screwed up Afghanistan. Again, this was a president that took the troops out, the guys with the guns and the weapons. He took them out before the civilians, the guys with the iPhones. That's stupid. Use your common sense. So instead of guys that could, you know, shoot the Taliban, we had guys that could take videos of themselves trying to flee the Taliban. Unfortunately, they weren't all successful. It was a disaster of epic proportions. And Biden spent what? The ensuing three weeks telling us it was the most successful airlift in history. That is a fact check false. Dude, you can't brag about stuff like that. You know, killing 13 service members is not a success. Leaving thousands of Americans stranded behind enemy lines is not a success. And that's where his poll numbers tanked. Biden was above water going into August of last summer. August of 2021, Biden's actually above water. at 55 percent. Then Afghanistan comes and goes, and so does all the goodwill that he had in this country. I, to be honest with you, I don't know where most of it came from because he ran a disgusting campaign. I'm going to unite the country while simultaneously calling it a battle for the soul of our nation, meaning the other side is so irredeemable that the soul of our nation will suffer if I don't come out on top. That was the claim from the unifier. We're literally battling evil. It's the soul now. America's going to hell. Eternal damnation if I don't win the election. That was the sell. In any event, whatever goodwill he did manage to carry post-inauguration into the summer of last year went flying out the window in Afghanistan. The guy's very bad with foreign policy. Okay, remember, he was against Barack Obama taking out Osama bin Laden. He's a guy Robert Gates has famously referred to as being wrong about every major foreign policy decision of the past four decades. Okay, he's a guy that voted for the Iraq war, believing they had weapons of mass destruction. He's been wrong about everything. And this idea now that we're making a firm military commitment, which will only stretch our resources even more thin abroad at a time when we don't seem to have any at home, are why Joe Biden is lining up right now, not to be the worst president in U.S. history, but perhaps the last. Bingo. Jimmy Fallon. He's got great charisma. Yeah. He's always dressed fantastic. He has what I call it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. 
okay? You can slow it down with Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics Total Tea, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total Tea before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Tonight, on an all-new intervention, we go inside the disturbing new addiction that's bringing America to its knees. My name is Doug Fritz, and I am addicted to watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I was changing channels, and I heard a tape recording of this drunk guy rambling, and I was like, hmm, this is kind of fun. Next thing you know, I hadn't showered in days, and I was drunk, too. It's like I became Johnny Depp. Watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial was a high like nothing I'd ever felt before. It made me feel way better than my own marriage, not to mention my drinking, my spending, my hygiene, even my acting, because, man, was Amber terrible. I started skipping work. I, I missed my son's t-ball game. I watched on my phone during meetings. At the gym, at the grocery store. And then I hit rock. My wife and I began fighting just like Johnny and Amber. And I pooped in his bed. Intervention. The watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial epidemic. This is disgusting. Night at 9 on A&E. Shut up for the couches next. Oh, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, They're talking about an intervention for Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. That trial in its sixth week. The trial has now lasted longer than the marriage, I believe. It's been crazy. I was saying this on Outnumbered Friday. I think one of the reasons people like it so much is it really does make them feel better about their own relationships. You know, you see what a mess they happen to be, and you're like, all right, well, maybe it's not so bad. I know Jenny was – I haven't seen her reviewing my life insurance policy in, like, at least 10 days, and I credit Johnny Depp and Amber Heard for that. Normally I walk in the door at night. She's got a glass of wine, and she's pouring over the policies, ways of accidental death where she can make some money. Uh, But I did not see it last week, and it's not because I've gotten any better as a husband. I just might be improving in the standings by comparison to those yahoos. But right now we're talking about the yahoo run in the country – Uh, Joe Biden, uh, who, you know, listen, he says this in Japan yesterday. In one breath, we're going to go to war with Taiwan, you know, on behalf of Taiwan. okay. but in the next. okay, and this is like 3 a.m. this morning, our time. He basically says, you know, recession's not inevitable in this country, which means a recession's coming, which means, I don't know, maybe sending 40 billion to Ukraine and declaring war somewhere in Taiwan might not be the most cost effective use of our time. But here is Biden. It's clip one. Should Americans be prepared for a recession? In your view, is a recession in the United States inevitable? No. Why not? Look, you're, you're talking about the significant progress we've made in making sure we don't have supply chain backups. Uh, we've created over 8 million new jobs where 
unemployment is down to 3.6 percent and so on and so forth, as if they're a problem. Imagine where we'd be with Putin's tax and the war in Ukraine had we not made that enormous progress. So there he says. But what I want you to understand about the Ukraine situation and why that does ultimately become a situation for us if there's a war in Ukraine, as it pertains to our supply chain, as it you know pertains to costs, is Taiwan controls 90 percent of the world's semiconductor capacity. That can't be good. Understand this. 90 percent of the semiconductor global capacity is in Taiwan. Okay, those semiconductors go. We wind up in a, you know, in a war in Taiwan and now we don't have access to 90 percent of the world's semiconductors. This could be a problem. Okay, everything, everything takes a dive. Everything. That's why we're in a really precarious spot right now. As as far as a recession is concerned, you know, if you're going to keep spending money, you know, printing and spending money on, you know, I'm going to do this in English. If you're going to keep printing and spending money and sending it to other parts of the world, you are, in fact, the driving force of inflation. Okay, the the San Francisco Fed traces all of the inflation in this country back to Biden's passing of that one point nine trillion dollar American rescue plan. It was one point nine trillion dollars for what covid and nine percent of the money went to what covid. What a fraud. But all of that print and spend, hey, here's some money from the government. Here's more stimulus money. Here's more enhanced unemployment benefits. Remember, I'm the guy who spent most of his life driving a cab and has been broke most of his adult life. I have great empathy for people on the wrong end of economics. It's so much empathy. But in the long run, the guys that are trying to demonstrate empathy by cutting you a check are actually doing you more harm because the more, you know, the longer you go getting paid by the government, the more likely you are to not get paid by an actual small business. That's true. That is true. Okay, enhanced unemployment really crippled the workforce, made it really hard for small businesses to hire because they were giving people more money to stay home than they were to work. So people stayed home. Places got understaffed. Places had a hard time, okay, keeping their businesses open to capacity. Then we had a vaccine mandate, which made it even harder to hire and made it harder in some instances to go shopping. And it cratered the economy. So we are in a place right now, a crisis that's very much of our own making. And that's why people are responding to, hey, why is he saying we're going to go to war in Taiwan? Yes, we do want to project strength on the world stage. And you can't take me seriously if I if I sit here and harangue him for not being strong enough in the past, but now turn around and say, whoa, 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 whoa. But the point is it's an unforced error in that it just didn't need to be said. Okay, and right now we've put ourselves into a position where we've made quite a commitment on behalf of a market that conducts 90% of the world's semiconductor capacity, which means everything is behind. If, in fact, we've now invited conflict in Taiwan, it's an unforced error that will, in fact, lead to uh, more inflation, that will, in fact, lead to, you know, a recession, okay, at a time where inflation is already outstripping wage growth. We've got a president that's making the kind of comments that could lead to an increase in both of those problems. 
So if somebody's out there, throw the shock collar back on Biden. And the next time he goes to speak off the cuff, let's give the guy a couple of volts. That's all you got to do. Hey, Joe, what about Taiwan? Well, the thing with Taiwan, you know, I was thinking same thing they do to keep him from sniffing hair. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Radio Mr. Breeze, in the words of Leonard Skinner. Uh, we're going to be joined shortly by Ben Dominich. He's got a hell of a story. Got sued for a tweet. <laughs> Went to court. Won. I'll let him explain. Uh, right now, what we're trying to do here at home is we're trying to win. You know, we're trying to, you know, maybe one victory at the pump this week. Could it happen? I don't think so. Here is our Interior Secretary, Deb Holland, on Capitol Hill, refusing to say that gas prices are too high. It's clip four. Do you believe that gas prices are too high? I think that they're, that Americans are still recovering from this terrible pandemic, and there are a lot of other world um, events that are making things difficult for all of us. So, so it sounds you're unwilling to say that gas prices are too high. We're doing um, all we can, Senator. Get her out. Get her out of here. Do you understand what's going on there is so emblematic of why this president is in the position he's in. They're so much more concerned with the perception than the reality that's facing Americans. How could you? It's the easiest question you'll ever be asked. Are gas prices of two? Of course they are. People are paying five thirty five a gallon. Truckers are paying over seven dollars for diesel right now which is, of course, impacting everything you buy. You're paying extra for gas twice at the pump and again at the cash register when you buy goods because that surging fuel cost directly impacts every dollar that you spend. She doesn't want to say they're too high. Why? Because she's more concerned with this whole perception that, you know, let's focus on how much we're doing here. I think Americans, we got the pandemic. There are other world events, which is a nod to Putin's price hike. We're doing all we can. When you're sitting there as an American struggling to make this work and you see your interior secretary, no differently than when Biden was saying this stuff, or even if you remember a few weeks back when Jen Psaki was still up at the podium calling it Putin's price hike. Psaki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. A lot of people feel that way for good reason. But again, when your leaders in this country are putting more effort into steering the conversation towards who's to blame as opposed to how to solve the situation, eventually people catch up. Like, understand, Joe Biden's polling at 31% with independent voters. You know what that means? It means we're past, we have survived our awkward phase of politics in this country where it was just more important to people to beat the other side. You know, we just spent four years in this country where, you know, Democrats would subject themselves to anything if they thought it meant beating Republicans. Hey, we'll say all the cops are racist. We'll burn down cities. We'll loot stores. All in the name of racial justice. We'll give 90 million to Black Lives Matter. They'll go buy a couple of mansions, give nothing to the black community. So be it. At least we'll beat the Republicans. You know, and there are a lot of Republicans that felt that way about Democrats and that anything, anything made victory worth it because we had gotten to this place of manufactured adversity where we could afford to hate each other all day over superficial things. When you see a president polling at 31 percent with independence, it means we can no longer afford 
to fight over superficial things. People are getting crushed. You know, you're getting smoked by inflation. You're not going to vote against your own financial interests just because you want to stick it to Republicans. You know, no differently than the border, no differently than, you know, this 32 percent nationwide surge in the murder rate, uh, a possible baby food shortage, maybe World War Three now in Taiwan. You know, the old other than that. How'd you like to play Mrs. Lincoln? Uh, well, joining us now is a guy who did like the play he was recently in. He's, of course, a superstar Fox News contributor, a publisher of the Transom Newsletter, host of the Ben Dominich podcast. He's back on the show. Ben Dominich. Hey, man. Hey, it's good to be with you. And, uh, you know, look, I, I mean, <laughs> I think when you're dealing with a president who is this unpopular, um, you know, we really should, you know, just get a little bit more entertainment out of this. Yes. I mean, if you're going to be this unpopular, just, you know, go balls to the wall, you know, say <laughs> say whatever you want. You know, like this is the thing. We've got incoherence, but it's boring incoherence. It's just sort of sad and decrepit. And, oh, grandpa's <laughs> lost the track again. He's telling the same story three times. Yeah. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have that just sort of wild and crazy feel to it that it really should have. We deserve some some madness of King George here, you know. <laughs> We deserve him naming, uh, you know, the the uh, uh, his his dog as a cab uh, cabinet secretary. We deserve him, you know, suggesting that uh, you know Kamala Harris should go into space and maybe stay there. You know, and so it's it's one of these things where like we we deserve a, a better class of incoherence from this White House, uh, just given how unpopular they are, uh, because they're not going to be do, able to do just about anything after November, um, yeah. and they should they need to wake up to the possibilities here, uh, just for an entertainment factor. Let's make Joe cool again, uh, but make, let's make him cool in that sort of, uh, you know, outsider, bizarre comedy sense that appeals yeah. to so many of the youths these days. Uh, maybe he should maybe he should join TikTok like in a big way, you know, like start doing dances across the lawn. It's I mean, it's just, it's not going to be any more incoherent or, or bad for the country than what he's already doing in its official capacities. Well, listen, I had a theory a few months back because I was so frustrated by the direction of Ron Klain and the advice the president's getting that I did suggest he replace all of his advisors with a magic eight ball. But my concern yes. was that Hunter might bring him the wrong eight ball. Now we've back to your theory, <laughs> your theory of chaos, though. If the world's on fire, we're going to roast marshmallows. I, I say you're yeah. right. Let's get let's get yeah. Hunter into the oval. No. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it would be. It would. You know, if you like Scaramucci, you know, you just wait until Hunter Biden takes over comms for the for the Biden administration for two weeks. You know, it would be amazing. You know, he's, he's more he's more cocaine now than man. So you know, it's one of these things where. You know, look, I just I think this is I think this is a horrible circumstance. I don't mean to make light of it, and you know, obviously people to. are suffering. But it's a coping and, mechanism. Uh, but, but, You're allowed. But it is a coping mechanism. You know, you have to make fun of it because it's so terrible. Yep. Um, and, and this is and this is the other thing. You know, Ron Klain was out there tweeting about some uh, some Axios poll this yeah. morning. You know, uh, basically with this, you know, don't worry, don't worry, it's still good mentality <laughs> that he has. And I, and here's the question that I have: like, <clears throat> is is politics the one area of American life now where there just is no consequence for total abject obvious failure? Because <laughs> that's, that's that's what this administration is doing, and in any working administration, any serious one, 
you would have had a dozen layoffs within the White House, you know, within the West Wing by now. Um, and instead, it's just like, oh, no, no, we can hold it all together. And it's because you have a president who's basically asleep at the wheel and, and nobody else within his admin who's close to him has the power to say, uh, you've got to push, you've got to make some moves, you've got to push some people out. Look, my view of uh, the Trump presidency was that he would have been a lot better served if he had fired more people yeah. um, yeah. earlier on. Certainly James Comey, Dave one, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, and Fauci, the minute that he said we should shut schools down, yeah. but this is also a situation where, you know, you have a, you have a president who's, who's taking it even further. He's, his level of loyalty to people who are serving the country poorly um, is just astounding uh, until you understand that, you know, as, as he said before, Hunter is one of the smartest people he's ever met. <laughs> <laughs> ben Dominich on the line with some humorous and terrifying truths. Uh, I agree with all of this. I think one, one thing, let me run this by you. I think the reason heads didn't roll after something like Afghanistan is they didn't want to own it as a failure. They were trying to sell it. You know, the perception was more important than the reality. And I think he should have put some distance between himself and what everyone knew was an obvious failure by putting it on generals. You know, you put it on a guy like Milley, and now you at least have some separation between yourself and the catastrophe. Instead, they just chose to brazenly lie about how successful the mission was. So do you think they're concerned with the politics? is where it's really what's getting them into a mess because they'd they'd be in a better position politically if they actually owned some of these failures because they'd have more credibility. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with you on that. And, and of course, that would have been that would have been appropriate because it's also true in the sense that the president lays out a, a, a policy objective. You need to be out of Afghanistan by a certain point. Uh, and then it's the generals. It's up to them to make it work. And one of the things that unfortunately happens, and it doesn't just happen, you know, in organizations uh, uh, like uh, the U.S. government, is that when you're told to put a policy in place that you don't agree with, sometimes you just kind of half-ass it. Uh, I certainly know that you're an expert in doing doing that, Jimmy. Hey, hey, um, Ben so it's, it's, it's one of these things where it's one of these things where, you know, I think that that was the approach that they uh, used in Afghanistan was just kind of saying, ah, well, if he's going to make us do it, you know, we're not going to make it any better. <laughs> and so I think, you know, that's something where they, they easily could have made an argument that, you know, was based in the truth uh, and that could have, uh, you know, uh, given them some leeway. Unfortunately, they didn't choose to make it. Uh, and so we're, we're stuck with a situation where bad things are going to keep happening. They're going to keep passing the buck. They're going to keep blaming it on Vladimir Putin or finding a way to blame it on evil Republicans when it's only Democrats in charge in Washington. And this really does uh, stop at the desk of the commander in chief. Well, this is what I think is so fascinating. And if you're just joining us, Ben Dominich is on the line. Uh, Biden is governing right now at a trajectory where he could become a word. Like, do you remember in Kingpin when Woody Harrelson's character goes back to his hometown and they're now using the last word Munson to describe failure? He's like, yeah, what happened in my car? Oh, it Munsoned on me. Is is Biden on pace to become a verb? Like, oh, it Bidened on me. I, I almost feel like I, we're I, there. I feel like, uh, yeah, a meandering, uh, meandering answer to something that doesn't actually deal with any of the problems in place. So I really <laughs> Biden that up. Biden done me. Know, look, but but here's the but here's the thing that I I do think we should keep in in perspective on all this. We the people who 
actually run the government mm-hmm. um, are, you know, are not. Uh, and it's and I don't mean in that shadowy conspiracy yeah. uh, sense where, the, you know, there's a table with uh, with George Soros and and, uh, you know, the Borg <laughs> and Kermit the Frog. Uh, what, what I think is what I think is is really going to happen here is that the, the bureaucrats who really run the show are going to start stepping up to mm-hmm. a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Much bigger degree, and and look, you know, I've I've had run-ins with uh, with bureaucrats. You know, I just had a triumphant victory on Friday yeah, in the Third that. Circuit. They unanimously, uh, 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 you know, backed me up in a in a fight with the bureaucrats legally that had been playing out over the mm-hmm. course of, of three years or so, and and um, uh, and it's one of these things where the the circumstance that that you uh, invite by having a commander in chief that is so divorced from reality mm-hmm. is that he is going to end up having an administration that the bureaucrats take over mm-hmm. and they just do what they want with it. They turn everything into their personal toy. Uh, and that's not going to be good for the country. No. Um, and Republicans need to be ready for that because that's what I think that we are, we are looking at over the next two years or so. Wow. I'm going to keep going with all of my movie metaphors for people just so they can keep up with this in the movie casino, the Tangiers casino that De Niro is running with Joe Pesci out there as an enforcer. They're always answering to Kansas city. Kansas city is like the deep state in the movie Casino, and eventually they get upset, and Kansas City takes over the casino. So you're telling me within our government, the Kansas City of the U.S. government is about to start throwing people in the desert and taking over the Tangiers. Is that where we are? That is exactly where we are, Jimmy. And I think <laughs> that, that, you know that, because that's because that's that's what inevitably is going to happen because people are going to look around and they're going to say, "Hey, look! If nobody's in charge, we need to reassert ourselves." Yep. You know, because the bureaucracy was basically look at during the Trump years they were they were just lying in wait. Mm-hmm. You know, they were saying, "Hey, you know, just wait this out for four years. Let's slow down everything that we can. Mm-hmm. Let's not do the things that we're told to do." Mm-hmm via these executive orders and the like, and then eventually we'll get a Democrat back in charge and he'll let us do all these things that we want to do that has been pent up since we thought Hillary was going to be walking into the Oval. Um, and now they're kind of standing there going, hey, wait a minute, you know, these we're not even being told what to do in terms of these, uh, you know, these leftist steps that they want to take. You know, I was uh, meeting, in fact, with a, a number of senior uh, uh, Republican post, uh, you know, the Trump White House veteran folks just last week, and they were all kind of astounded that, that you know, the Biden administration hadn't been even worse when it came to regulatory uh, issues and things like that, yeah. uh, that they've been kind of asleep at the wheel instead of actively making things worse. And I said, you know, just wait, because these bureaucrats, they're going to start stepping up and they're just going to find ways to do it themselves. Wow. It just, it's only a matter of time. And that's where I think we're headed. Wow. When Biden gets up to the podium and they're playing House of the Rising Sun by the animals underneath his speeches. <laughs> oh, it's going to get bad. Uh, really quick. We're laughing. Uh, I, I meant to get to this eight minutes early. So, but you know, I just like talking to you. So here we are making movie metaphors. Uh, You were sued for a tweet. Okay, I've got to figure this out in the next two and a half minutes. Let's tell this story because you were sued and you ultimately won. Give us a quick synopsis just so they know. The quick synopsis is that uh, I made a joke uh, about uh, unions and uh, a couple of lefty trolls uh, reported me to the National Labor Relations Board, people who I'd never met or known or worked with in any capacity. Um, and uh, that board, which is uh, you know a bunch of bureaucrats, uh, decided to take up the case, turned into a three-year lawsuit. Uh, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, which is a group of, of libertarian uh, attorneys who uh, are basically built to take on bureaucrats, they're a small non 
nonprofit, uh, came to me and said, hey, we think you have a really good legal argument here from a free speech standpoint and from a just on its face, it's obviously a joke standpoint. Uh, and after three years, we just got a unanimous verdict in our favor from the Third Circuit Court of Appeals in oh. Pennsylvania. Um, it is it was definitive. I won on free speech grounds. I won on evidentiary grounds. And it raises the question, should we still have a policy of being able to, of being, uh, enabling these sort of trolls to uh, drive the, the entire force of the federal government? You paid for this lawsuit against me, Jimmy. I mean, I'm going to find out how much it cost you, uh, but, but it, you paid for it. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and so at the end of the day, they, you know, they spent three years prosecuting uh, or pursuing this case against me. And, you know, all for naught. And and basically the court said, you know, this is something that the Supreme Court or that the Congress is going to need to resolve in the social media era because we've now reached a point, Jimmy, where if you just don't like the, the sticker that someone has on their car or the, the sign they have in their cubicle or the, the you know, uh, endorsements that they make as a small business owner or something like that, then you can go out and you can uh, target them and put – uh, the full force of the of the bureaucracy and the federal government behind it, and that's not something that's that's designed to have you know uh, high-minded uh, civic-minded uh, no. people no. you know report things. It's designed to enable trolls and troll lawsuits, and that's something that I think needs to be resolved. And and thankfully the court kind of teed that up. Personally, Jimmy, I hope that the NLRB appeals. I hope they appeal to the Supreme Court because I think they'll get smacked down again, <laughs> uh, and maybe this policy will change. But I felt the need to stand up because. Look, I have the good fortune to know a lot of smart lawyers, uh, freedom-loving people who, who know how to take a joke, uh, and uh, taking on the humorless left is not something that everybody can afford to do. Uh, <laughs> and so I felt it, the, it necessary and incumbent on me to do it. I'm really glad that we won, uh, but I also hope that this leads to more people uh, standing up and, and, and not getting under the threat of, of you know bureaucratic invasion of your business or your life. Uh, you know, We should be able to push back against these things, and we should be able to tell jokes, even if they aren't that funny. I, I would grade that joke kind of a C plus joke, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, maybe even a C minus. But it also was dashed off in, you know, in like 30 seconds. Take so, the win. You know, I didn't do any work on it. Yeah, I loved it. So. Take the win. You are the political generations, Johnny Depp. You gave us a you gave us a wildly entertaining trial, and you won, Ben Dominic. Good stuff. Yes, that's the that's the good part. Get, get, uh, thank get back you, to Jimmy. Day really? I'll see you soon. There he goes, the great Ben Dominic. We love him. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. It's about to get nuts on this show. Jason Chaffetz is going to be in the house discussing a new poll about the direction of the country. Essentially, everybody who responded to the poll said, Let's go, Brandon! It's a bad one. But Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, uh, tweeted the poll and claimed that I hate to destroy the narrative, but it turns out people are pretty happy with Biden's leadership. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Are we ever? Unlike baby food, <laughs> we are all stocked up on crazy, but we'll empty the shelves in the next hour on Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up 
to bring you an embarrassment of radio riches in this hour. Jason Chaffetz, former Utah congressman, superstar Fox News contributor, is going to stop by to discuss a new CBS News YouGov poll that finds 56% of Americans disapprove, disapprove anyway, of how Joe Biden is handling his presidential duties. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I don't know a lot of people who can. Uh, This comes on the back of additional polling that says 57% of Americans consider their president to be distracted. 51% consider their president to be incompetent. And 47% consider him to be divisive, those being the three most optimal words used to describe your president. So we're alive in an America where the guy running things is described as either distracted, incompetent, or divisive. Okay, When you think of Joe Biden, you're either thinking distracted, incompetent, or divisive. I agree with that. I think everybody does. Asked to describe their feelings about the state of the country. 63% say they are uneasy or worrying. 61% opted for frustrating. Okay, but long story short, when you're looking at this thing... We have a president that is clearly not all there. I mean, whoever's running the country right now, it's it's a disaster. Okay? And listen, (laughs) after the weekend I had, I am an expert on disaster. I never stopped eating. You're killing yourself the way you eat. Y'all fat look at you. It's bad. (laughs) You know, I told you Fox had to hire a guy to follow me around to stop me from eating so I don't get so fat on TV. Put that cookie down now. I think they're about to add a second one. My weekend was a disaster uh, with the old fork and knife. I am not proud. Uh, It was a mess out there. But the mess being made in Washington far bigger when you start to go inside these numbers. Okay, nearly eight in ten voters. 77% say things in America are going somewhat or very badly. 69% think the economy is fairly or very bad. Do you understand where we're at now? We got to a place in our politics where the old Democratic playbook of just saying, we are racist, ultra MAGA, mega MAGA. I can't believe it's not MAGA. All of the MAGAs, it doesn't work anymore. Just doesn't work anymore. The fashion has changed. We no longer have the luxury no longer have the luxury of superficial character assassinations serving as a viable political strategy. In the era of identity politics, Democrats won a lot of seats by just saying everybody was a white supremacist. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. And a lot of people went along with their stupid ideas. But now we're sitting here with a 40-year high in inflation, unaffordable gas, a shortage of baby formula. Okay, a porous border, a surging uh, murder rate, foreign policy debacles, the likes of which we haven't seen in 50 years. You can no longer go to the polls and vote for Biden simply because you don't like the Republican guy in your office. You know, that was a thing under Trump. We had the luxury of just turning politics into a team sport and being like, no, I want to beat those guys. Who cares if my guy's incompetent? I just want to beat Trump because he's evil. And that's what we did, right? We used COVID. COVID is a justification for removing Donald Trump. Now, I don't run a Donald Trump radio defense fund. I don't actually think he's going to run in 2024. I genuinely don't. I know everybody who knows him. I know his whole family. I I genuinely don't think he's going to run. It's just my gut. Okay, but stick with me one way or the other. When I make these points, I just want you to understand that I'm not – my job is not to show for Trump, okay? 
hosts taking political sides damaged this country because we got into a mindset where it was more important to root for your party than it was for your country. Okay, but putting your party over your country is how people voted for Joe Biden. There was no scrutiny. The media didn't actually subject this guy to any any thorough examination whatsoever, number one, of his cognitive abilities, but more importantly, of his record of governance. This is a guy that had run for president three other times. It was an embarrassment. In 1988, he got thrown out for plagiarizing and lying, saying he got three graduate degrees at Delaware. Turns out he only got one, claimed he graduated at the top of his law class. Turned out he graduated 75th out of 80 guys. Like, Joe Biden's been a lying jackass his whole life. He's still out there right now telling the silly Amtrak story about the guy Angelo that came up to him on the train and said, you know, you've taken more miles on Amtrak than you did on Air Force One. And he told him that as vice president. The only problem is the guy had died eight years before Biden became vice president. Oh, wow. So he's always lied. You know, but he's kind of grandfathered into a version of politics where you could say something in Pennsylvania and they wouldn't hear about it in Delaware because we didn't have social media. We didn't have things living on eternally, whether they were tweeted or taped or texted. So back then you could speak in one state with no regard for what they'd hear in another. Well, we don't live in that world anymore. And the guy's just made a mess of the country. And when you see him polling in the direction he's polling in now, 77 percent of Americans – 77 percent. You can't get there, understand, with just Republicans not liking a president. That's what I want you to understand. If you're listening as a liberal right now, okay, not my enemy. You're my teammate. We both play for the same American team. Okay, the Republican Party constitutes, according to polling, registered Republicans are about 42, 43 percent of this country. So if 77 percent of the country says we're doing badly, it's not the Republicans. That would mean 100 percent of the Republicans say it sucks. And then you've got another 33 percent coming in from other parts of the population, meaning Democrats and independents. People are no longer and the Democratic Party doesn't get this. People are no longer going to the polls just because they want to beat the other side. Well, there's this guy I argue with on Facebook all the time. I can't let him be happy. So I'm going to vote for an idiot. I mean, that's what happened. Okay, people hated Trump so much. People hated Trump supporters so much that they went out and voted willingly for complete idiots. I'm Kamala Harris, and I approve this message. I mean, just some of the worst management we've ever seen. I mean, these guys are terrible. You know, I, I'm like half joking when I'm like, oh, he's, you know, he's not governing like a 46th president. He's governing like our last president. I mean, it's, it's bad when you look at the numbers, okay? And when you look at the individual assessments of Biden and you hear distracted, incompetent, divisive, you then understand why nobody wants to campaign with the guy. This was an issue last week that's going to become a bigger issue going forward is when you hear someone like Tim Ryan, who is in the most consequential Senate race in this country, say he's not sure if he wants to campaign with Joe Biden. It's everything you need to know. Here's Tim Ryan doing a little tap dancing. Uh, This is clip 13. I don't know. You know, it's a busy campaign. Not sure. Like, we'll see what happens. But the reality is I'm going to talk about the issues that are important to Ohio. It's not about the president. It's not about the Congress. It's not about the Republican Democrat thing. It's about what's best for Ohio. (laughs) Come on, man. Think about that. No, it's not. a. Do you want to campaign with the president? It's not about the president. Basically, what he's telling you is, hey, this president sucks. Tell him like it is. Okay, Mehdi Hassan. 
who's over on MSNBC, whose job it is basically gets paid one hour a week to go on TV on the weekends and say everyone's racist. That's that's actually the gig. Everybody's a white supremacist. You're a racist. Your kids are racist. And the people who got rich doing this, the people who succeeded politically doing this, they don't realize how bad, just how bad and stupid and just out of place this fashion is now. What was once a successful strategy is now comical. I've mentioned this to you in the past. There's a movie called I'm Going to Get You Sucker made by the Wayans brothers. And one of the funny vignettes in the movie is about a pimp who gets out of jail after serving a 12-year bid, and he's wearing the fashion that was very cool when he went to jail. So he's got a fur hat. He's got fish tank pumps. You know, he's got this big bamboo cane, and he's walking down the street, you know, with the same swag he went to jail with, except this time around people are looking at him, and they're like, <laughs> And he's getting laughed at, and he winds up getting chased off the street and running for his life. Politically, that's what's happening to the Democrats right now. You've got 35 people who have just flat out announced retirements rather than running for Congress again because they know they're about to get their asses handed to them. So you got guys like Tim Ryan saying they don't want to compete, you know, they don't want to campaign with Joe Biden. Okay, the fashion doesn't work anymore. And even Mehdi Hassan, who literally gets paid for 60 minutes a week to, to just call everyone racist. White people are racist. Republicans are racist. The whole country's racist. Understand, Barack Obama won the presidency twice would not have been possible were it not for the overwhelming majority he carried with white voters. So what were those people on some kind of a prescription that made their racism go away? And then they just forgot to get it renewed at Walgreens and CVS. So they wound up going back to being racist again. No. Okay, these people voted for Barack Obama twice, and he wasn't even any good at the job. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is, they weren't racist then. They're not racist now. But calling them racist was enough to galvanize younger voting blocks to go out and support a Biden presidency. But lo and behold, the Biden presidency has decimated every sector of this country. If you're living on a fixed income, you're getting smoked. Okay, if you are living in a border state, you're getting smoked. But if you're living in any state, the problems coming across our border are now in your state, thanks to the record levels of fentanyl that are causing record levels of overdoses everywhere in this country. We're at a 32 percent nationwide spike in murders and you can't afford gas anywhere. So just yelling racism for the sake of racism is not enough to get people to vote for you anymore. And even Mehdi Hassan, here he is admitting that Biden's claim of ultra MAGA, the MAGA king, was going to get the job done. And even Mehdi Hassan admits that it isn't. It's clip 14. It's bizarre because when it comes to calling out Republicans, you've got these kind of, I don't know, cutesy names being used by Democrats. You know, apparently Democratic polling groups and focus groups spent months coming up with ultra MAGA, which Joe Biden started using. But immediately the Republican Party just borrowed and started selling merch. And, you know, uh, Donald Trump likes the idea of being ultra MAGA. So I'm not even sure that that kind of phraseology works. I don't understand why you can't just call uh, you know, call them what they are, which is authoritarian and some would argue, including myself, fascist in many ways. Why hide behind all these words? I mean, what a loser. You really think about it. why? Why hide behind these words? Just call them fascists. <laughs> Just call them authoritarians. What a loser. Mehdi Hassan's still going to Mehdi Hassan. You know, he, on the one end, he's going to admit that the strategy failed to brand them as ultra MAGA, but he's still got to get in his race baiting shamelessness. Oh, really? The right of the authoritarians? 
says the guy whose party just forced people to get a vaccine, whether they wanted to or not. You're fired from your job if you won't let the government put this vaccine in you. Oh, we're we're the authoritarians. But this is why even Mehdi Hassan can't help Biden in this moment, because he's still stuck himself shamelessly race baiting, shamelessly character assassinating. When people go to the gas pump and it's so expensive that they have to turn tricks behind the gas station to afford a gallon of gas or they've got to pick up a side job on the weekends to afford a gallon of gas, you're going to have to do better than just yelling racism. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Well, I filled up Sunday morning with no way to pay for gas that didn't hurt. And I skipped another breakfast cause it cost a hundred bucks to get to work. When I started up my pickup, off I go to spend an extra day at work. Biden's caused inflation everywhere, and things get more expensive every day. On a Sunday morning side job, I'm wishing, oh, that I was home. But I'm working on a Sunday to pay for gas so I can roam. And it's so expensive driving, but we all need to get around. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it was 21. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Don't mind me. Just over here talking to myself. Climate change conference underway in Davos right now. The organizers of the conference tweeting photos of 100 private jets on the runway. That's Use your common sense. Really stupid. Yeah, we're so serious about fighting climate change. We all flew in in private jets. Dude, again, this is the equivalent of an alcohol intervention beginning with a keg stand. <laughs> all right, we got we, we got to cut down on the drinking, so grab my ankles. One, two. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Only toppable, perhaps. Do you remember Stacey Abrams? She's the sitting governor of Georgia, according to her. Stacey Abrams is fully. But remember, she refused to concede when she lost the Georgia governor's race to Brian Kemp and claimed it was stolen and suppressed and ripped away from her by the white racists for the better part of four years. And then, of course, at the end of the 2020 election, when Trump said it was stolen, she was like, oh, hell no, that's treason. You can't do that. Guys undermining faith in democracy. Well, she's running for governor again uh, down in Georgia. And had a yeah, bit of a bit of an unforced error there in calling Georgia. It's not the best audio in the world, but she called Georgia the worst state uh, to live in. This is clip 16. 
I'm running for governor because I know that we have to have a conversation about who we are in this state and what we want for each other and from each other. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. Please stop talking right now. I'm Stacey Abrams. I'm running for governor of Georgia because this place sucks. Oh, it's terrible. I'm tired of hearing how good it is. Yo, people are moving to states like Georgia and Florida in record numbers because they're great places to live because their government, run by Republicans, by the way, has relaxed the regulatory burden on small businesses and large ones at that. It made it a business-friendly place where jobs are being created and people are free to pursue happiness without the government lording over everything they do. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. But there she is flat out telling you, no, I'm running for Georgia because we're going to make the government fix all your issues. You got to depend on us. That's how this works. Stacey Abrams is obviously a clown. If you remember, she was photographed in an elementary school classroom where all the kids were completely masked up and she was maskless for the entirety of the school day. Now, you know, there's a COVID argument here, but I would also remind you that most of those kids were wearing masks simply because they didn't want to be seen in public with Stacey Abrams. He knows what he's talking about. But it's just performative stupidity over and over again by Democrats like her that have them trending. I mean, we're about to watch a blowout. Like, you talk about a garbage-time midterm election over at the half because they're just all idiots right now. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. We're at a very unique time in our country right now. Joe Biden... Kamala Harris, literally the only two people polling behind Johnny Depp and Amber Heard right now. And uh, joining me now to make sense of that fact and so much more, he is a superstar Fox News contributor, host of the Jason in the House podcast. Jason Chaffetz back on the show and the crowd goes wild. Hey, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you ain't kidding. You, you were playing You were playing a little ZZ Top. Did you know one of the fast facts about Utah? You were down in southern Utah. Mm-hmm. One of the guys is Z. I don't know which one's Z and which one's the other Z, <laughs> but one of them supposedly has a home like outside of Moab. Get out of town. Yeah. Be- because I know, you know, people in Tyler, Texas lay claim to ZZ Top and Robin Hood Studios and the Country Tavern Barbecue. They may have started there. Yeah. But where are they today? One of them. <laughs> they're they're hanging out them. with the Chaffetzes down in Moab. Is that what you're telling it's, me? It's that kind of town. Well, listen, I've got I've got some people, as you know, well positioned out there to go investigate this lead. I'll get back to you. <laughs> All right. That's what we'll do. Uh, always good to hear your voice. Let's start here because there's just so many different places to go. Uh, are we about to go to World War Three over Taiwan? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what you see is Joe Biden, who is weak, feeble, um, has cowered to China in every aspect. He's got the Hunter Biden problem. He was asked, uh, you know, overseas, asked a question, would he go uh, defend Taiwan? And his one-word answer was yes. 
the reporter said, are you? And he said, yes, uh, that's the commitment we made. It's, it's tough talk on, on, mm-hmm. uh, on, on China. Um, but remember, the U.S. policy, a one-China policy, uh, reads a little different than the way the president actually articulated it. And I think that's the issue. And I think, you know, what a lot of people are concerned with back here, too, is we do feel like we're stretched a little thin right now. You know, when we're hitting up the Germans for baby formula, it doesn't feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just doesn't feel like we're, we're playing at full strength back home here in America. $40 billion of Ukraine. Now we're going to go toe-to-toe with China. I just, you know... This, this is the kind of stuff that collapses empires. It gets me a little nervous, Chaffetz. And now you, you throw in a side order of monkeypox, and you got yourself a pretty busy Monday in talk radio. <laughs> Good point. Um, the, the one that I find the most articulate is um, are two people that kind of wrote this uh, jointly. Uh, Robert O'Brien, the former national security advisor for, mm-hmm. for President Trump, and the chief of staff, a guy named Alex Gray, who's running for the United States Senate there out of Oklahoma, they they have really studied this. They've really looked at this, and and they've really encouraged uh, Taiwan itself to do a few things if they want to prevail. And prevailing, I think, in this case means preventing an attack by China on Taiwan. Um, I think if Russia had just run over Ukraine and we did mm-hmm. nothing about it, I think China would probably be already in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Ukraine didn't go so well, and. Yeah. Um, I think China's really, really thinking that through um, because the economic impact on China would be pretty devastating. Yeah, that's a great point in that Ukraine has absolutely covered the spread against Russia because this was supposed to be over in 48 hours. Yeah. And it's, you know, if yeah. you if you bet Russia in Vegas, you got hammered. You got hammered on that bet because Ukraine is, you know, still there making a go of this thing. And obviously it's been horrific and you know, we don't ever make light of it. But I think when the world is this bad, as you know, you know, the ultimate form of coping in this day and age, I think more than ever, it's why people don't get in trouble for jokes anymore, is we actually need them right now because things are bad. When you look at it like a 40-year high in inflation, and, and, you know, a good example I would give is this Latino poll. Did you see how Biden lost 26 percent with Latino voters? I mean, that, you know, that that is a sign of direct harm on the quality of life in this country, would you not say? Yeah, I th- it's interesting on that it's kind of the Hispanic viewpoint because, um, you know, I talked to Rachel Campos Duffy. I've talked, you know, anecdotally, I've talked to some people who they really care about the abortion issue. They don't believe that abortion should happen right up until the ninth month as that baby's about to come out of the womb. They, yeah. They're very family oriented uh, and, you know, making sweeping, you know, generalities about folks. But uh, the economy's not going well. The inflation's out of control. And there are a lot of people who came here legally and lawfully that really resent the open border policy. You combine that with abortion and some other things, and, hey, they they started to go the the way of the Republicans under Trump, and it's growing at an exponential rate. Yeah, 26 is a big number. Jason Chaffetz is on the line, host of the Jason in the House podcast, Fox News contributor. The thing I, I that I do believe the Democrats do wrong as well in not understanding people who come to this country legally is they don't come here to demonize success. You know, the Democrats very much have this eat the rich, you know, attitude. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, people don't come here to demonize success. They come here because they aspire to success. 
You know, they, they want to succeed. They want to be one of these rich people. They don't want to declare war on them. They want to get invited to the cocktail party. They want to join the yacht club. And that's where I think they don't understand who they're courting because it's the same thing with oppression. When you're selling this narrative of oppression to people who migrated here from third world nations, they were actually oppressed. So they think what we're doing is absurd. And that's why I think they're losing is because I don't think their policies or their priorities are the priorities of all Americans. Forget just Latinos. I mean, because Latinos, for all intents and purposes, prioritize the same things we do. If you can't afford gas and there's no food at the store, you're mad. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, they, they, they want to live the American dream. They want to achieve that success that nobody thought they, they could achieve. They want that opportunity. But they also want, and they're escaping and moving away from the lack of a rule of law. Yes. They want the rule of law. So when the Democrats go and they have lawlessness and they have prosecutors that don't prosecute crimes, they already have that down in the country that they have. Yep. You know, pay a few bucks, do what you want to do. That if They're trying to escape that. We're mm-hmm. supposed to have lady justice with a blindfold on, equally administering justice. They don't see that. Is there anything in the Biden administration would lead you to believe that that's really the way they administer things? No, no. It's now called – it's not lady justice anymore. It's called they justice. It's yeah. they or them. Can you get the pronouns God, right, Chaffetz? Come on. I'm man. so confused. Well, there's hundreds of them. So I, you know, I, <laughs> side of you on here. I need a cheat sheet. I, 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 <laughs> he needed the coder pen. Hey, yes. here's something that made me laugh. Okay, uh, you of course uh, served uh, valiantly in Congress on behalf of the state of Utah, and I'm sure there were times in politics uh, where you came across a question you weren't dying to answer because that's you know that's just the reality of the job. I laughed at one of these exact situations as it pertains to Tim Ryan out in Ohio. Have you ever seen any uh, a better tap dancing routine than Tim Ryan not trying to say he doesn't want Biden campaigning with him? You know, uh, people will vote for authenticity and they'll vote for people that are really candid. He has tap danced around this and he keeps getting the question and should (laughs) continue to get this question. You're right, because uh, I served with Tim um, and in Congress, I was on the budget committee with him and he's kind of known as a bit of a jokester and all that. He wants to, you know, he likes to have these little quips. But, man, is he straight-faced when he starts talking about Joe Biden? Just come out and say it. Yeah, Joe's not going to help me. <laughs> it's been so good. Well, I don't want to make the race about the president. You know, the thing about the Ohio people, and yeah. it, it is really – he needs a cane and a top hat. If he's going to keep doing these interviews, I insist he puts on a – gets a cane and a top hat <laughs> and actual, actual tap shoes because they don't want to own this thing. And I get – no, I get it. I get that Biden has become a liability. There's no, there's no way around it. But, uh, you know, what I'm interested to see happen is – between now and then, it seems to me anyway, just based on what I know, that they realize the majorities are too slim in the Senate and even in Congress with people in swing districts, that they're not actually going to be able to tangibly improve anything. So they seem to be tacking back to like a 20, you know, a strategy that worked between 2016 and 2020, which was to just shout white supremacy from the rooftops. But I don't think it's viable anymore. I think the fashion of the day has changed. And I think when you've got polling that shows 77 percent of the country going the wrong way, you're going to need a better message than vote for me or you're a racist. No. Yeah, they, they they took sort of a scorched earth type of philosophy. But you know what? That kind of falls apart when Democrats control the House, the Senate and the presidency. Yeah. You can't blame Trump. You can't blame the Republicans when you have all the levers of power 
they're going to get absolutely slammed in November. Oh, it's so funny. And I'm watching this Stacey Abrams thing. She's campaigning down in Georgia. She's still yelling about voter suppression at a time when they are uh, almost 30 percent ahead of their turnout in the in the last election in, in the state of Georgia. We're still yelling like, are we living in the death of shame where people just don't know shame anymore? Well, that's been her fundraising tool that's yeah. gone out in all the emails, all the letters and all the fundraisers. And she's raised a boatload of money. And now it's not really true. And, um, you know, but don't tell anybody. Just keep saying what you're saying. It's very Clinton-esque. <laughs> just, get that, just get that money. Well, you bring up the Clinton since I got you here. Uh, I, I, you really got to commend the media on chasing down this Alpha Bank story, Ooh, huh? Yeah, they really on top of it, boy. You can see the meeting with the editors in the morning. All right, Johnny, who's going to go get them? <laughs> How are we going to not cover this is my question to you guys today. That's unbelievable. That's a campaign manager. And he's like, oh, no, no, flat out. We met with her. She said, yeah, give it to the reporter. Let's go. Bombs away. They started the whole thing. And the WAPO has, a, has an op-ed out today saying there's still no evidence that Hillary got the Russia thing rolling. I'm like, what are you talking? Does her campaign manager doesn't count as a thing anymore? A first-hand account in a criminal probe against her attorney with emails to boot and the campaign manager, Robbie Mook, saying, yeah, I talked to her about this, and, and she greenlit it. What, what else do you need? There's no evidence. We're, we're down to the Shaggy song. There was a Shaggy song called It Wasn't Me, where he sang about the woman comes in and catches him red-handed on the bathroom floor with another woman, and his only defense is it wasn't me. I, like, <laughs> I sad to say I am familiar with this song. <laughs> It's now it's now the official line of defense for the Clinton campaign. They're just playing Shaggy. And, it wasn't and, me. And heaven forbid that the Washington Post actually just reports what went on in the trial. I know. I mean, that's the thing. If it was, you know, I, I named somebody else. It's it's like what? Like Flynn and you know some of these non-players were out there and. They covered that one pretty strongly. Everybody gets it. Everybody's in on the fix here. It's yeah. just a joke. And that's and they wonder why they don't have any credibility and None. why nobody will subscribe. Oh, it's so funny. Now they really, I mean, the paper of Woodward and Bernstein has now just given us, you know, send in the punt team. <laughs> hey, careful. I was a kicker at college. So, oh, know, listen, Chavin, I'm sure you were wonderful. I'm sure you were just great. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah, we never lost a game by the margin of my missed kicks. So that, <laughs> that's the only way I can run for Congress in Utah. That, that's how you're measuring success. <laughs> yes, never lose a game. For a kicker, that's the metric. Yes. No, that does matter. No, I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll actually give you that, Chavin. It's some, Punters some... are a whole different breed. Take the average of their kicks. Oh, come on. What kind of metric is that? Yeah. Punters had it easier than place kickers. Oh, right? no question. No question. I mean, as a, as a place kicker, you know, uh, oftentimes you are deciding the game on the most single, most consequential play of the game, you know? Yes, that's why they call it football. Yeah. This, this, Come on, it's the mo we weren't the highest paid. Uh, but, all right, you know. All right, but now, now you're overselling the kicker thing now. Like we were with you, but now that the you're, leading scorer on the team. Come on. <laughs> all right, fine. On the uh, we, you went to? Did you go to Utah? Where did you go to school? Brigham Young. Oh, that's right. You went to BYU. BYU. I knew. I actually knew that. And the, the reason I knew that is because I had once introduced you to my cousin, who was the chef for the Utes, who's still the chef for the Utes. By yeah, the way, yeah, that's right. We yeah. just we just shipped him back uh, to West Jordan last night. He's but he had, he was actually out in New York this weekend. And uh, 
you know, I know people in Utah aren't known for their drinking, but if folks met my cousin, the stereotype would be so much different. It would be. Yeah, well, the average has changed since he showed up on the screen. Yeah, if we're going to talk about it. ranking punters by the average of consumption, if we ranked Utah by the average of my cousin Tommy's consumption, it's a whole different ballgame, my friend. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's the walk-off <laughs> kick right there. Let's, let's get out of here while we're still both employed, Chaffetz. You're the best. Thank you. Appreciate you, it, Jimmy. There he goes. The legendary Jason Chaffetz. There we go back after this. Critics are calling it the show of the year. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's the children's classic that's making movies great again. Donald Trump stars in The Mega King. Hello, everyone. The king has returned. The president of the United States is completely nuts. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. You don't even know who you are. And only one man can save us now. The great MAGA king. Can the king help Joe Biden find his marbles, or will he lose his way against the Russian kleptocracy? Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy, and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> Lie down before you hurt yourself. The Mega King, starring Donald Trump. I'm really rich. And Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Now playing in Mexico, Japan, China. I love China. And coming soon to Puerto Rico. We love Puerto Rico. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Biden's efforts to blame, uh, to brand Trump as the MAGA king, kind of backfiring. You gotta do better than that. They're now selling MAGA king merchandise. Because <laughs> people don't associate Trump. For whatever you think of Trump, I don't care. I'm not, not my job to get you to vote for him. I'm just a radio host. But for whatever you think of Trump, you understand none of the problems we have in this country existed under Donald Trump. We didn't have a 40-year high in inflation. The border wasn't overrun. You could buy a gallon of gas. You didn't have to get baby formula flown in from Germany. Okay, but here's Adrian Elrod. She is a... Uh, she's over on MSNBC, and her job is to show for the Biden administration. Watch this acting job with a straight face, as the Biden administration has a lot to be proud of, is what she says. That is a fact check false. I don't know. Take it away. Clip 10. If you embrace the Biden agenda, it's going to get you far. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to run on here. The economy is doing well. I realize inflation is an issue the Biden administration is trying to address, but we have record job growth under this administration. Um, we have um, jobs that people actually want to be working in that are high wage and income earning jobs. Um, there's a lot to be proud of um, and there's a lot to talk about. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? Yeah, when they say record job creation, that is the most brazen lie. Why? Because these aren't new jobs. They're jobs that went away because of the lockdown and then came back around. You know, I've said this before. If Jenny throws me out of the house because I come home with our producer, Mikey, covered in glitter, smelling like stripper perfume, she throws me out of the house but then lets me move back in a month later, I don't get to claim I got a new house because I'm returning to the house I already lived in. That's the same with job, what they're calling record job creation. These aren't new jobs. They're the same old jobs that people were finally allowed to go back to. 
but we're living in the death of shame. So here's Stephanie Cutter on ABC saying things have moved forward under Biden. It's clip 11. Well, you know, the president has put forward a, an agenda to deal with inflation. We saw how quickly he worked uh, uh, on the infant formula uh, crisis. He's handling Ukraine, pulling the world together uh, and rebuilding alliances against um, authoritarian governments like Putin. Um, you know, by any metric, with the exception of inflation, this country oh. has moved forward under his uh, leadership. But gas However, prices and inflation, that's a big metric. It, it is a big metric. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have a clue. You know, other than inflation, the fact that you can't afford anything, not that you can get to the store because gas is unaffordable. Other than that, again, we're back to the whole other than that. How did you enjoy tonight's play, Mary Todd Lincoln, once you get past the shooting thing? Come on, man. It's embarrassing. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Lacing them up. We got a track meet in this hour. Tom Homan. You've heard him on the show a bunch over the years. Tom Holman, who was, of course, tasked under Donald Trump with policing our southern border. He was the former acting ICE director, uh, is now watching Title 42 stick around for now. That's, of course, the covid era restriction on border crossings. That was the last line of defense our Border Patrol had against the cartel that had been flooding us with record levels of not only immigration, uh, illegal immigration at that, but also record levels of fentanyl pouring into this country enough in the last four months to kill the entire population of America four times over. That can't be good. That's not good, kids. You understand, man, the border thing, people think of it as a Texas issue. They think of it as an Arizona issue. But the drugs that come across the border wind up everywhere, literally everywhere. Again, we have a record level of overdose deaths purely because of our southern border. And there's an indifference being shown by the Biden administration that is going to be very consequential for them in the midterms. When you see Biden's down 26 points with Latino voters, it's because the Latino voters who migrated here legally didn't come here to live in a country that resembled the one they had just fled. Correct mundo. But that's what we're seeing when you talk about cartel violence, when you talk about drugs, you know, when you talk about all the chaos in our inner cities right now, the Biden administration is feeding into that. And it's been a mess. But before we get to that mess, we've got another one to clean up. Bill Maher. I, I just want to talk about Bill Maher for two seconds. You know, Bill Maher, who has found Jesus a little bit late in the service, when it comes to turning on the woke left, Bill Maher is now coming to the realization on the air that a lot of us came to four years ago, which is that everything woke turns to And Bill Maher, as you know, has been a pretty vocal critic of a lot of this democratic ideology that would have kids between kindergarten and third grade learning sex education. He has been a very vocal critic against the fact that Democrats went nuts and tried convincing you that there was no biological difference between a man and a woman. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. But the Democrats are still running with them. A lot of them. I played you a congressional witness last week 
who testified with a straight face that men can get pregnant and have abortions. It's totally false. 100% false. But Bill Maher, in a politically expedient move, has now started to trash the left because he gets where this is going. He gets that the whole country has kind of turned on them. And now he gets called out all the time like, oh, look at Bill Maher, trash in the left, way to go, saying things people like me have been saying on these airwaves for five years. So there's a part of me that's like, hey, good on Bill Maher for at least getting out there and telling the truth. But understand he's only telling the truth because it's self-serving. Okay, he was willing to tell a lie about Trump being a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin for four years if he thought it was going to help him with his audience, which he did. He was on the wrong side of that. He didn't own it when it went sideways. He just carried on, which everyone in the media did. They just brought, pretended it never happened. Well, we all know we were right. It's just that, you know, Barr wouldn't let him show the proof. It was obstruction of justice. That's what it was. We know he colluded. They just obstructed the justice so we didn't get the proof of the actual collusion. And that's what they ran with. Even now, as a lawyer from the Clinton campaign is about to go to jail for the role he played in fraudulently starting the Russian collusion narrative, something that was legitimately cooked up by the Clinton campaign, overseen by Hillary Clinton herself and handed to a reporter only to turn around and tweet moments later. Wow, there's a report out there that Trump's in bed with Russia. That's just how white folks will do you. Yeah, exactly. And that's how they did us. She was the one who leaked the story to a favorable reporter who would then make it a story. It was all absurd. And Bill Maher was on that side. So let's not pretend that Bill Maher has been the picture of objectivity and fairness and, you know, ethical reporting. Bill Maher has been a partisan shill to quite an extent over the course of the last four years. But even Bill Maher doesn't want to be associated with what they're now telling us on the left, which, again, is that men can get pregnant and have abortions. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. To any objective observer you are, when you say, oh, no, men can get pregnant. Yeah. Follow the science. By the way, men can get pregnant. It becomes very hard to follow the science. And again, if men can get pregnant, where is the baby coming out of? What the hell did you just say? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Here is that. Here is Amy Arambide. She testified on Capitol Hill last week. If you didn't hear it, she is the executive director of Aval, Texas. Here it is, clip 21. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Uh, here's a newsflash. This is not transphobic. It's not homophobic. It's not anything. Okay. Men can't get pregnant. Bingo. They can't. That's a fact of life. Men cannot get pregnant. Okay. It's not possible. It's not biologically possible. Okay. If you have a woman's bodily organs and you would like to call yourself a man, that still doesn't mean biological men can get pregnant. Bingo. Okay. But anyway, this is what they ran with. Politics got so emotional. Grievance politics got so successful that the woke left got a little drunk on power and started advancing things that were completely indefensible. You know, no sane person believes a man can get pregnant, but they're out there saying it. Just like no sane person, no sane person believes we should be teaching kindergartners sex education. Dude, if someone told you a year ago 
let alone five years, let alone 10 years ago. This is not a comparison that needs time to bore it out. If someone told you a year ago they wanted to teach your kindergarten kid sex education, you'd be like, I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Straight up Hulk Hogan. If someone told you a day ago, you know, yeah, no, we're going to teach your kindergarten kid gender reassignment surgery. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. Totally. Total Hulkamania. Okay. That's what would have happened. No, no, we're going to teach your kid gender reassignment surgery. Before he even knows how to add numbers, we're going to teach him how to subtract his penis. What the hell is wrong with you? That's what went on here. And even Bill Maher is at least rightfully calling this out because what happened is people on the woke left who were getting so much power from corporations, from America, in the aftermath of the George Floyd protests, remember, they took the George Floyd death And instead of all of us acknowledging that this was a heinous act and that the system worked and that the cop, Derek Chauvin, was held accountable and will now die in prison, that was a win for society. They tried to weaponize that graphic video and turn it into something far bigger. It wasn't just Derek Chauvin who knelt on his neck. It was all of America. We're systemically racist. And that systemic racism affects every other form of rights in this country. Gay rights, trans rights, we're just going to keep demanding stuff now. You owe us something. Grievance politics, incentivize victimhood, give me something. And in this instance, they got a lot, but they took it a little too far when they started to say that boys could have babies and that kindergarten kids should be learning to transition at a time when they are so fluid in their development and anything they're going through might not be something they're going through for long. I can tell you this, I raised a kid. Okay, their favorite toy, favorite food, favorite game they want to play, favorite joke they want to tell you. It changes so much because they're developing, they're evolving, they're fluid. This idea that we should be giving kids the right to make permanent bodily changes to their body, we should be teaching them that option, it's patently psychotic, man. And it usurps the authority of parental guardians who, again, exist in the eyes of the law as the overseer of the child's well-being. It's a reason why kids aren't allowed to drink, why kids aren't allowed to smoke, why they're not allowed to write, why they're not allowed to drive a car. They're too young in their development to make those consequential life decisions. Yet you want us to believe that at that same young, impressionable age, they should be able to make a lifelong decision about their body? That's not right. A decision they might not even agree with five weeks later, let alone five years, 10 years, 50 years. Here's Bill Maher calling that out. It's clip 27. Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes, and there are other solutions besides hand me the d- saw. <laughs> And look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. Listen, he's spot on correct. And again, I have been telling you this for years on this show. So it's, you know, there's this weird breathless thing that goes on in conservative media outlets where if someone from the perceived liberal side of town agrees with us, 
we get so excited and go like, oh, see? But we should know. No, he's he's catching up to us. And yes, it's good that the country is undergoing the sea change that it's undergoing. But do you understand he's only catching up to what we've been telling you is true forever because he has read the tea leaves and he understands it's now consequentially bad for him to hang out with the crazy people. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. That's what's going on in this moment. Bill Maher, like everybody else out there, except perhaps the folks running Disney World, have realized what Donald Trump most famously said, which is that everything woke turns to Introducing the all-new Woke Disney World, the first theme park to dump identity politics on all its guests. Mom, can I hit the boys' room? Sorry, honey, it's the they's room. Let me explain this to you one more time. It's okay, Mickey. I'll handle it. All of our rides have been updated, so our Woke employees won't flip out on us. From Snow White and the Seven Genders. I don't understand. To it's a small reassignment surgery after all. That was the weirdest boat ride ever. Woke Disney World. We've transitioned to a new business model, but the goal remains the same. All right now, get out there and make me some damn money. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If you're looking for some good Fallon vision, I'll be on with Greg Gutfeld this Thursday night on the highest rated late night show in the country. It's going to be a banger. Uh, in the next break, we're going to be talking right here live with Tom Holman, former acting ICE director under Donald Trump, a guy who is as frustrated as anybody when it comes to Joe Biden's inattention to our southern border crisis. Greg Abbott, he's the governor of the great state of Texas, uh, telling Fox News primetime on Friday – Uh, He is being forced to work with Mexican governors because Joe Biden isn't even talking to them. This is psychotic. This is clip 23. Because Joe Biden has not only never been to the border, but is not working with the Mexican federal government, I had to step up and work with Mexican governors uh, to enter into agreements where the Mexican governors in states adjacent to Texas, they themselves are employing uh, border security strategies to prevent people from coming across their border, knowing that I have the capability of shutting down these border crossings uh, by inspecting every commercial vehicle that comes across the border. So you understand, okay, that's the state now stuck with a DIY project. Okay, that's not how a federal border is supposed to work. It's, yo, again, I'm I'm really going to oversimplify this. It's the front door of the house. It's the front door of the house. You all want to know who's coming in or out of the front door of your house. It's certainly no different with the front door of your country. That's the, it's, listen, it's an oversimplification, but it's an oversimplification that applies every single time. Here is the rest of Abbott's clip. It's clip 24. Has the president ever called you? Have you ever spoken to him on the phone about the crisis? Never. So early on, uh, I spoke to him in February uh, after he was elected. That's the last time I talked to him, and it was not about the border at that time. He's never bothered to talk about the border, never has a concern to come down here and address one of the largest catastrophes that has happened under his administration. Biden sucks. I mean, you really think about that. And they haven't gone down there because the media goes where Biden goes, which is why they spend so much time in Delaware which is why they spend so much time watching him eat ice cream cones. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Okay, if you're on the Biden beat as a reporter, 
You really don't get to do a lot. Yeah, they're in Asia right now, so hooray. There you go. But the point is he doesn't go to the border because the cameras follow. Okay, don't get me wrong. Fox News has been all over the border because we're breaking border crossing numbers every single month. We're breaking overdose death numbers every single month. And we keep getting depicted in the media as like, oh, look at Fox trying to scare people with the border. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are because what are we? Yeah. Oh, we're so evil. How dare we concern ourselves with record levels of fentanyl poisoning death? What kind of monsters was, what must we be to want to avoid such things? Ah, oh, Fox, they're just doing that racist thing with the border again. You know, because the fentanyl coming across the border only affects white people. That's what they want you to believe. Yo, it's killing people in every ethnicity. But we shouldn't be looking at them as ethnicities. We should just be looking at them as people. But the indifference to the border is getting Americans killed in real time. And he doesn't want to go down there. Because the perception is more important than the reality. He would rather keep peddling the perception that the border is a made-up crisis by Republicans than the reality that it's his own repeal of Trump's border policies that got us in this position. That's where we are. And don't ever forget this. This is the same Democratic Party that, number one, voted for border wall funding under George W. Bush and again on Barack Obama. They were in favor of border wall funding because they knew they had to secure the border to their country. But then when Trump made it a central piece of his presidential campaign, they're like, oh, securing the border, that's racist. We should be building bridges, not walls. Come on, man. What kind of monster is this? Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we already had border wall in place along a lot of our southern border. If they're so racist, if they're so racist, how did they get there? I think he's got a point. Okay, and that's the problem is we live in a day and age where political opposition is supposed to come with a basic decency where you don't do things that are going to physically harm the country just because it'll tar your opponent. I mean, that's what defund the police did. Hey, we'll just say anybody who supports the cop is a racist. The cops are racists. And what did we do? We actually cut municipal police budgets in places like New York, in places like Milwaukee and Kenosha, in places like Los Angeles. And what happened? The crime rate went through the roof. People died as a consequence of that reckless political opposition. That's what's going on at the border right now. And remember, when they said, oh, the Trump administration's got kids in cages. Oh, we're not. This isn't the kind of country we are. They didn't say a word when under Joe Biden, the number of kids in cages was over 200 percent higher in the, quote, same cages. Cages, oh, by the way, that were put there by Barack Obama. Don't be thick. All right. And we only know that's a thing, because when the media tried to slander Donald Trump with pictures of kids in cages, The New York Times ran a 2014 photo of kids that got there under Barack Obama. There are white folks, and then there are ignorant mother like you. I didn't think you'd like that part. Well, Tom Homan doesn't like any of this, and he's going to join us next. He's fired up. I love talking to Tom Homan, but I really am concerned he's going to shoot his TV watching all this border reporting. So I'll get you an update on whether or not it's time to sell him a new flat screen after this on Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. He's a former acting ICE director. Uh, He is a guy that cares a great deal about securing the border of this country. Uh, Certainly more than our president does, but that's not saying enough. Uh, Joining us now to explain all of it and so much more, the great Tom Homan back on the show. Hey, man. 
Hey, how you doing? You know, um, great. I always love talking to you. I should remind our audience that the last time we were on, we had this really brilliant interview. You made all these brilliant points. I made a joke at the end, and I do believe you threatened to knock me out. You said if you were in the studio in person. <laughs> I don't recall that. <laughs> well, it, well, if you were wondering, if anyone's wondering why Homan is joining us over the phone and not in studio, uh, it is for my own safety. But it's always good to hear your voice, man. Um, have you shot your TV yet watching all of this border footage? You know, I've come close. This is, it's, I wake up every day disgusted. I'm beyond mad, you know, because this is all done on purpose. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's put this country at great risk. And I'm sick and tired of watching the secretary. Mm -hmm. It gets on national TV. You say the border's secure, and they got operation control of the border, and everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Every time he opens his mouth, he's lying. And, he, and look, he committed perjury in front of Congress, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, three times he lied. He said the border's secure. We've all seen the video. We know it's not. There's over mm -hmm. 700,000 gotaways that mm -hmm. got in the country weren't arrested. He says the border, then he says people that don't qualify for asylum are immediately removed. Oh, really? Tell us how many ICE has arrested that lost your court case. Because that number is pretty close to zero, according to my sources. And the third thing he says is that uh, <coughs> those that are, are released are immediately put in immigration proceedings. Oh, really? So how about the thousands you release on a notice to report? Because I have a copy of the notice to report, and the last paragraph says you are not in immigration proceedings. Only if they voluntarily show up to nice office and surrender themselves will they ever be in immigration proceedings. That's at least three times. This man lied under oath. A cabinet member lied under oath to Congress, and he needs to be held accountable for it. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people would agree with you because, you know, there historically was that character Baghdad Bob who was telling, you know, people that things were under control in Iraq back in the day. We now have uh, McAllen Mayorkas who's down there telling us the border's secure and everything's fine when our eyes just tell such a different story. So this is what I wanted to get your take on. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said last week that Biden is basically an honorary cartel member given how much he's enriched the cartel. Do you agree with DeSantis or does, what, does that go a little too far? No, I absolutely agree with him. I said, you know, I wrote an op-ed almost two years ago on FoxNews.com. I said, if Biden becomes president, we lose the border. No one celebrated that election more than the criminal cartels in Mexico. Look, when President Trump, we worked very hard to give us the most secure border we ever had. Illegal immigration was, was at a 35-, 40-year low, depending on what time frame you look at. Illegal immigration is down to 83%. What does that mean? That means border Patrol weren't overwhelmed. They're on the border. They're seizing drugs, and they're arresting those that want to attempt to come across. But very few came across because we had the Remain in Mexico program. We had the three Central American country agreements. We had Title 42. We had it all, right? So Border Patrol is very vigilant. They're all on the line. So cartels couldn't sneak the amount of fentanyl they're doing now. Mm -hmm. So when they heard Joe Biden and the promises he made to have an open borders, you're not going to detain, you're going to release, and, and the, I'm going to give you free health care, and we're going to have an amnesty. They knew that's going to cause a surge at the border, which now they can line their pockets with alien smuggling money mm -hmm. in addition to drug smuggling money. They knew it would be a surge at the border. They knew the border patrol would be overwhelmed and half the border would be unguarded. They knew they were going to get more drugs in this country than ever before. These cartels right now are Joe Biden are making more money than they've ever made on alien smuggling and drug smuggling. And that's why the violence is rising so high in, in Mexico, because there's so much money being made. Now the cartels are fighting over territory. Absolutely. Joe Biden is the first president that I know of that's actually facilitating cross-country, cross-border crime. 
That's insane. If you're just joining us, Tom Holman is on the line. He's a former acting ICE director and a Fox News contributor. And what the Democrats did for a long time, and I, I just want to ask you about this, they tried to depict border security as racist. But the argument against that is obviously any argument because we know it's not racist to want to know what's coming in or out of your country. Uh, but but the bigger point to be made is the record level of fentanyl deaths in this country aren't specific to any one race. I mean, Biden is getting people killed in every demographic out there, is he not? Look, more migrants have died on U.S. soil under the first year of Joe Biden than any year I can remember. Mm-hmm. Nearly 700 migrants either drowned in a river or been found stranded in the desert and died. Or nearly 700. How is that humane? We had over 100,000 U.S. citizens dying of drug overdoses. DEA said 95% is coming across the border because more than half the border chose not on the line. How is that humane? Hundreds of migrants are dying in Mexico, down a Darien Gap. People are dying because of these policies. Then I'll say it once again. People want to say that, you know, they, they call me a racist. They call me a white nationalist. I worked for Trump. We secured the border. But let me ask you a question. When we had the border at a 35, 40-year low, how many women weren't getting raped by the cartels? How many children weren't dying? How many migrants weren't drowning in the river? How many pounds of fentanyl were not getting in the country that killed Americans? When you have a secure border, it hurts the cartels. There's less drugs. There's less deaths. Secure borders save lives. So people say anything they want about the Trump administration. We save lives by securing the border. Joe Biden's policy has resulted in many more deaths. No, you're, you're 100 percent right, man. And it's it's so frustrating to watch this play out because Biden, you know, as you know, he's not going anywhere near the border. You know, he doesn't want to bring any attention down to it right now on the left. They've just tried to depict this as some like right wing strategy. Oh, it's Fox News getting people worked up. But, you know, the numbers don't lie. I mean, we're presiding over a record level of poisoning deaths. And there's been enough fentanyl that has crossed our border. My understanding is in the last four months to have killed the entire population several times over. Well, two things. First of all, they have short memories. Was was Barack Obama racist when we voted for border barriers and, and the Secure Fence Act of 2006? Yeah. Was Chuck Schumer racist when he voted for it? Was Hillary Clinton racist when she voted for it? Was Joe Biden racist when he voted for the Secure Fence Act of 2006? Mm-hmm. They got really short memories. But it's just not fentanyl. Mm-hmm. What my biggest concern is, and the news is going to break in the next couple of days, is how many known suspected terrorists crossed the border? I said a minute ago. 700,000, so Joe, Joe Biden became president, over 700,000 people entered this country and got away. How do we know that? Camera traffic, drone traffic, sensor traffic that the border patrol couldn't respond to because they're too busy changing diapers, making baby formula. 50 to 70 percent of the border patrol is no longer on the line, up to 70 percent. Wow. So here's the issue, right? So if they've arrested, they've admitted they arrested 42 people on a terror screening database. How many didn't they arrest? How many of the 700,000 that came from 161 different countries, many of those countries sponsored terrorism? Now, if you're going to tell me, if anybody's going to try to argue with me, not a single one of those 700,000 gotaways came from the country that sponsored terrorism, they came here to do us harm, then they're an idiot. You're ignoring the facts. You're ignoring the data. This is a national security issue. On top of the public health issue with the fentanyl and the drugs, this is a huge national security hole a huge problem we are this country is is in trouble for that they're in trouble for the drugs and i'll say this for the first time in my 35-year career the u.s border patrol no longer 
controls the southern border. They have lost operational control of the border. Who's told me that? Several chief patrol agents have told me they cannot contain what's coming across right now, even with Title 42. They can't contain it. That's why they had over 67,000 gotaways just last month. So for the first time in my career, we can honestly say we have lost operational control of the border. It belongs to the criminal cartels of Mexico. That is insane, man. We're talking to Tom Holman, former acting ICE director, guy who served this country for 35 years. What is the fix then? Is it a combination of remain in Mexico, the wall? What would you do if you could actually take this over? If you were Mayorkas in a perfect world, what do you do? We fix it in a week. You think so? We put the remain in Mexico program in back across the board, like they've been ordered to by the courts because we sued. I was a part of that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. But Mayorkas isn't doing it. He needs to be hauled in the court and have held in contempt. Put the Remain in Mexico program full, full bore. Take the Title 42 seriously because right now this administration won't return family units on the Title 42. They don't return UACs on the Title 42. They don't, re- they don't return a lot of non-Spanish-speaking adults to Title 42. So remain in Mexico across the board. Title 42 across the board. Get the three agreements we had with the Central American countries that if you get out of Honduras and you're claiming fear from your home government, you get in Mexico, guess what? You escape that fear. Claim asylum in Mexico. We put these policies back in. We put the wall up. We let board Get the board trial at processing centers because these policies are going to stop the flow. Get them back on the line where the drug cartels can't just move easily move drugs across. That's what we do, and we do it in a week. Oh, listen, man. Uh, from your mouth to God's ears, man, everybody likes what you're saying. Uh, and, and I agree. I mean, just because we know where the border was Two years ago, it, none of this was going on with everything you just mentioned in place. And that's the part that I think is so disgusting is Biden repealed a lot of Trump border policies just because. Just because. No, what's, really, what's, yep. what's really disgusting is I've worked for six presidents, Dr. Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. I respected every president I worked for. I might disagree with some Obama's things, some of Clinton's things. But you know what? They both campaigned on and when they were president had plans. How do we secure the border? Because even those men understood you can't have national security if you don't have border security. So every one of the six presidents I worked for wanted a secure border. Some took more steps than others, but they all took some steps to do that. Joe Biden's the first president in the history of this nation that came into office and unsecured the most secure border we ever had and put this country at date with great risk of overdose deaths and, and terrorism and, and, and uh, the cartels making rich, all these migrants dying. Who the hell, what commander-in-chief comes into office and unsecures the border. And Alejandro Mayorkas is shoulder to shoulder and doing it with him. It's just, I, I just get so disgusted every day knowing they came in and made this country less safe on day one. Did they ever, man? It's, it, it's, it's nuts, man. It really is. Uh, last question then. Have you at least, I know because you, you really are bothered by this, and as, as we all should be, have you at least gotten some time to do some grilling upstate or what's it been like? <laughs> I care, Holman. I gotta, I'm trying to keep you calm. Excellent. Actually, I'm heading up there Wednesday. Mm-hmm. My wife's already got my past blue ribbon chilling. Oh, she's already got my she already got my Merle Haggard tapes ready to go, <laughs> and, and 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 she's she's uh, marinating a brisket as we speak. Oh, so Holman, who's living Thursday, better than be, you, man? Thursday there'll be, be mesquite smoke flowing. Oh. I'll listen to Merle Haggard and a little Waylon Jennings, and I'll be drinking my past blue ribbons. You can still buy a twelve pack for a couple bucks. So wow. that's what I'm gonna be doing on Thursday. Wow, I love it. Is is Waylon Jennings gonna record a song called "Mamas Don't Let Your Babies"? grow up to be border agents 
for us, you know, Waylon Jennings, you know, last year that you know that Brock, you know that uh, country legend passed away. Mm-hmm. We heard about it for two days, you know, yep. and you know, I, nothing against Prince. He died. I heard about it for a month. Waylon <laughs> Jennings was a, was a true artist, and we heard about it for less than two days. And I actually had tickets to see him in Baltimore, and he died a week before the concert wow. on the spectrum. So look, Waylon Jennings. Justice for Jennings. Justice for Jennings. No, no. Where's the justice? You're yeah. right. Waylon Jennings deserved more than he got. You're right. We're going to carry that hashtag forward on this show, Holman. All right. His song, is, is, is The Good Days Really Over? Listen to it. All right. We're on the case. I, I, no one likes homework more than me. But for real, thank you. And I hope those PBRs right. treat you right. You well-deserved, Tom Holman. Be well, right. man. You take care. You're All the right. best. Right. There he goes, the great Tom Holman. Uh, everything he says is factual, including the fact that Waylon Jennings deserved more. Did you hear the genuine frustration there? No disrespect to Prince, but the guy got like a month. <laughs> He's a passionate man. The last time Holman was on, I just made a throwaway line because he bashed Biden up and down and sideways. And I just, just you know, just to get us off the phone in like a lighthearted place, I go, you know, I'll put you down as a maybe on Biden. And he goes, maybe I ought to come down there and. <laughs> I was like, whoa, OK. Which is why Tom Holman is only welcome in this studio over the phone from here on in. Quick break. We're back after this. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and the band is taking shots at The View. The View is awful. Well, it just gets worse. Here's Whoopi Goldberg reacting today to the San Francisco Archbishop's decision to bar Nancy Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion. Why? Because of her unabashed support for late-term abortion. Here is Whoopi trying to tell you with a straight face that that's not this dude's job. Take it away, Whoopi. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. (laughs) That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yo, Whoopi, he's the Archbishop of San Francisco. 
He oversees what goes on in the church in San Francisco. You can't handle the truth. She's just an idiot. It's not that she can't handle the truth. It's that she's a stupid person and is often rewarded for speaking out with no knowledge or grasp of what she's talking about because it's a show that rewards passion. They clap for people saying things that they have no idea whether or not they happen to be true. Do you ever remember when Whoopi wanted Jill Biden to be running the health initiatives in this country because Jill Biden is a doctor? No, she's not actually a medical doctor. They had to correct her on the air. Here it is. Dr. Jill becomes a surgeon general, his wife. Yeah, Joe Biden's wife, because she, you know, he would never do it, but she, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. I thought she was I a doctor like, and PhD. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't oh, I could know. be wrong. Maybe I thought she was yeah, a teacher. I think she, I she's, she's oh. a teacher, but. That was embarrassing. But really think about that. She's an incredible doctor. She should be the head. She should be the surgeon general. You don't have a clue. Yo, she should be the surgeon general. Do you get the level of passion and ambition they throw behind things on that show that they literally have no idea what they're talking about? No, it's just a room full of clowns. Play that one more time, Josh. It's so funny. Dr. Jill becomes a surgeon general. His wife. Because yeah. Joe, Joe Biden's wife, because she, you know, she he would to... never do it. But she, it, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. I thought she was I a doctor like, and PhD. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I, don't okay. know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I thought she was yeah, a teacher. I think she's, I don't think so. she's, she's oh. a teacher, but. <laughs> I'm surrounded by idiots. She's a hell of a doctor. She's a phenomenal doctor. Oh, I could be wrong. Yo, we're living in the death of shame. There's never been a dumber time to be alive than right now. We will continue to roast radio marshmallows tomorrow as the world burns. Until then, you can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Just don't be a Whoopi Goldberg. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.